So we're going to give a general introduction to the books of prophets and the books of writings, Nevi'im and Ketuvim, which is called Nach. Together with the Chumash, which is Torah, it's called Tanach. Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. Now, the fact that it's split into three means that there are three different standards. The highest standard is, of course, the Torah. This is God's word-for-word articulation to Moshe, and because Moshe is a prophet of the highest order, that's a fundamental of our faith, that there will never be a prophet like Moshe, the level of prophecy and revelation within the text of the Torah is the highest. Then we get to the books of prophets. Now, what's interesting is that although the prophets are on a higher level than the writings, often they're written by the same person because there are various traditions who wrote the various books. But sometimes you'll find the same author who wrote a book in Nevi'im and in Ketuvim. So what's the difference? It's actually, you start researching it, there's a lot of um, questions on this. In other words, it's quite a complex matter. It's not so clear. But fundamentally, what seems clear is that Nevi'im was written by prophecy and Ketuvim was written by divine inspiration, Ruach HaKodesh. And divine prophecy is a higher level than divine inspiration. Now, the same sage, the same prophet at times would write a book when he was at the level of inspiration of prophecy or at the level of divine revelation. Interesting, the Haftorah, you know, each Shabbos morning we read a Haftorah. The Haftorahs are only from the books of prophets. You'll never see an Haftorah from Ketuvim, only from Nevi'im. Obviously, because it's a level higher, and that's what the sages instituted. When was this instituted? At some time in history, we were not allowed to read from the five books of Moshe, so the sages instituted that we would read from the books of prophets, which are the second to the highest level of holiness, with themes that are similar to what we would have read in the Parsha of the week. So that is the Haftorah, where you'll find special thoughts and prophecies that are similar to the theme of the Parsha of the week. Once that decree was removed, the sages institute that we continue doing it, and that's why we do Haftorah every single time we read the Torah on a Shabbos or on a Chag or on a fast day. Now, there's an interesting debate whether you could start categorizing different levels of prophecy within the prophets themselves. The great Middle Eastern sage, um, sorry, the great Middle Age sage, the Barbanel, he writes that when he reads the book of Yeshayahu, Isaiah, he finds a certain level of articulation that he does not find in the book of Jeremiah, Yermiyahu. And he claims it's because Yeshayahu came from aristocrats, so therefore he had a better way of articulating the prophecy he had. And Yermiyahu did not come from a family of aristocrats, and therefore he didn't have that same level of articulation. But there are many sages that went... Steam, um, steaming against Barbanel, saying, how could you say this? It's all the word of God. And that seems to be the basic consensus that they're all the word of God and each prophet shares the word of God. It's just the level of, of 
of the prophecy is different than Moshe Rabbeinu, but anyone who's in the level of a Navi and has the prophecy, it is the word of God, and to Vim, it's the word of God through divine inspiration. It's hard for us to really understand the various levels because it's so abstract for us, but ultimately, every word in the Tanakh is sacred saint. The Talmud spends endless amount of time exploring every nuance, every, every letter within the Tanakh, um, and incredible lessons are learned. And when you go move on to Tehillim or the various books of prophets, there's incredible, incredible insight in even the phraseology because everything is the word of Hashem. And when you go then into Jewish mysticism, you go into Kabbalah, Hasidut, the level, the words of the prophets develop a whole new level of meaning. Now, obviously on this course, we're going to stay to the simple text, at least the first time we do this course, who knows what will happen in the future, just to cover um, and to be able to move forward through it. So let's actually talk about what we're going to do. Or rather, how are we going to address these books? The books are very different, even within the Vim and Ketuvim itself. We're going to start off with the book of Joshua, Judges, Kings, Samuel. Those are... Stories, straight out stories. But then you move on to books like Tehillim or Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu or Yeshayo. And then it's very not stories. It's all prophecy. And a lot of the prophecy is very abstract. And some of the people who love the stories might suddenly find themselves saying, oh my gosh, what did I sign up for? And some of the people who find the stories like, you know, a bit childish, which is wrong, but that's what they might find feeling, then they're going to hit the, the prophets, they'll be like, wow, this is so abstract and beautiful. But the point is, it's all Torah. Just like when we learned the Chumash together, there were stories and then there were laws. Over here, it's different. It's stories, not so much laws, but a lot of, sorry for the, for the expression, poetry. In other words, if you're going to go through the 60 chapters of Yeshaya, which is going to take us quite an amount of time, it's much easier to go quickly through stories than to go quickly through trying to make some sense of what is being said by Yeshaya. What's he referring to? And sometimes we'll actually point out how certain words of Yeshaya verses were corrupted by specifically Christianity, which then they were able to somehow create an intellectual, biblical basis for some of their faiths, for their beliefs, and how ridiculous it is because it actually is not the literal translation. It's not what the word means. But the point is, you're going to go in and like, he'll talk about the Jewish people. He'll use you know, various analogies. They'll use an analogy of wine. They'll use an analogy when they're criticizing of... Uh, a prostitute. Um, some of the stuff is harsh, especially when you get to Yirmiyahu. Jeremiah was the one that prophesied the destruction of the temple. Um, you know, it's not fear, but he's often referred to as the prophet of doom, which he wasn't, but he was definitely a prophet that was warning the Jewish people and saying, guys, get your act together. He was living at a time that his prophecy was necessary in a way to be warning. So it's very harsh. It's maybe similar to the words that we found in the curses, in, the, in the, what we read in the Parsha Bechukotai and Kitavo, etc. Then you're going to go to Isaiah, Yeshayo, it's much more 
hopeful, at least a big part of it. It's much more um, motivating. Then there's many, many other books. There's the story of Esther, which is, you know, just seems to be a nice story. There's the final books, the books of Chronicles, Devrei Yamim. That is pretty much just like a chronology of who's who in the entire time of uh, the first temple era, the descendants of King David. And that could get very technical unless you love genealogy. The point is that we're going to be going through the full spectrum of 19 books. And as you saw in what we shared yesterday, one of the books is split into 12. Some of the books are split into two. So it's a lot more. So it's an extensive, extensive amount of text and information. And I don't think the goal is for any of us to remember it all. That's pretty much impossible. Um, that's not why we learn. It's nice, but unless you have photographic memory, that doesn't happen. But what does happen is slowly but surely you develop a comfort within the text. That's really the point. Suddenly the Tanakh is not a weird book. The Tanakh is not an abstract book. It's actually very, very tangible. It's suddenly something that you could resonate with, something that you could open and read at any time. You, you, you understand the theme of the book. What is the book of Amos? And what is the theme of the book of Shmuel? What's the, the overarching story? Where is it going? And also you walk out with an incredible amount of history because the books of prophets cover the time in history from when the Jews arrive in Israel with Joshua till, eight, till 900 years later, or even a thousand years later, till they come back to the, build the second temple. That's the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, which is pretty much the furthest in history we go. These are the people who built up the second temple. So it's a thousand year period. And thinking about the fact that the Jewish people's history starting from, let's say, Sinai is 3,300, or from Avram Avinu, from Abraham, it's 3,700 years. So you're going through pretty much a, almost a third of Jewish history and really understanding it. And it's probably the least known part of Jewish history. Um, obviously, I feel like I have said many times, I feel there's an incredible lack of knowledge of Jewish history, but especially of that era, the first Jewish commonwealth, the time that we lived in Israel for 850 years, the first temple, King David, King Solomon, and, the, and the, the building of the scriptures. It's such a fundamental part of our story. And I believe that one of the big gains that you will walk out with is a, an overarching understanding of the making of our nation. That is, it's a full era. Although it's a thousand years, it's an era. After that, the Jewish world would change tremendously from the beginning of the Second Temple era when they start instituting the Sidur, for example, and there's a lot more corruption and integrating within other nations and assimilation, and then the post-biblical and the Mishnah period and the Talmud period. Please God, one day we'll go through that whole history as well. But this is a period that stands on its own. The time of the Tanakh is, is, a, is a time that literally its very history is documented in Holy Scripture. There's nothing like that after that. There's no book of Holy Scripture of the Second Temple era beyond the beginning or anything after that. So the lives that were lived then and the stories are of the highest level of importance and please got together. 
I'm confident we're going to be in an incredible journey. But what I do encourage you, and here's my final appeal, there's different books, different styles. Take it all in. Some of it might resonate deeply. Some of it might be, you know, a bit abstract or too poetry-like. Take it in. It's all Hashem's word. It's the 24 books of Tanakh. It's the foundation of the world. And it really is the foundation of Judaism. So good luck to all of us. I can't wait to start immediately after Simchat Torah. Chag Sameach.